Happy Friday, everybody, and boy, do we have a show today as we consider the teachings of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 35. You must be ready. Today, I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, or ESV, as well as in connection to my good old KJV, my old King James, because I like the way that it's worded in the ESV, so I'm going to be bringing that to you today. It's pretty exciting what Jesus has to teach us. And so let us receive his word with prayer that our hearts be opened and that the Spirit of God be be able to communicate to us the sense of, of Jesus' truth that we may be able to apply it to our heart and go live it in, in the rest of this day unto the rest of our lives. Father, we do thank you for the blessing of this time together. We thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege of gathering in this hour. We pray that you will give us the sense of, of what you have to say in the Word of God today, that our hearts would be filled with your truth, and that our mouths would be prepared to go forth and to proclaim your truth to all this world, so that in darkness they may be able to see thy marvelous light and that they would be able to separate from that which is false, because they have finally heard that which is true. Lord, we pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' name today. Amen. And so today I'll bring to you from Luke chapter number 12. We'll begin in verse number 35 and take the long-haul trip down to verse number 48, and then we will engage... And in the ESV that I'm reading from, the scripture says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for for us or for all, for everyone? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom this master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delaying in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, 
of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. (laughs) This is a very tough place in Scripture, and one that is lightly approached by pastors, certainly because of the offense that it could cause among the congregations that they would teach it, and and is lightly spoken of in in times of evangelism, or when questioned about, is, is given a very soft and light answer because of the fear of offense of those that would be asking the question, because it is a very deep subject, and it is a very painful one for believers to have to face. But nevertheless, here at the Preacher's Corner, we're just going to dive right into the middle of it. And the beauty of of not being afraid to reveal the truth of what the Scripture has to say is because it doesn't just apply to you guys, it applies to me. (laughs) Praise God, I have to pay attention to what this says, because if I'm guilty of it, then I have to face the, the end result of it. And of course, what do we find at the very end but a beating? <laughs> Matter of fact, if you look at the, the end result of the, the unfaithful servant, if you look at the end result of those that not only are unfaithful servants that don't do what their master says, but that abuse servants and, and, and abuse the table of their master and and essentially elevate themselves as being the master of the house, we got to understand at the very end of this what the end result will be. So it says to us for 46 to 48, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect and an hour that he does not know. Now we all in measure, if we truly are believers in Jesus Christ, we are all looking for the expectant return of our Savior. But we we do not technically know the time of his arrival. We don't know the time of his coming, nor do we know the hour. Obviously, we understand that if Jesus came for us in the United States at a time of, say, midnight or one o'clock in the morning when it is extremely dark in this part of the country, over where I was in Africa, it's going to be about, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to be perfectly daylight. So we have no idea of the time in which our Savior is going to return, nor do we know the exact day of his coming. And so we are on this earth faced with a dilemma, if it's a dilemma to us, that, that we do know that Jesus is coming, but we don't know the time. So are we conducting ourselves as being Christians in a manner that would be pleasing to our Lord at any given point of time so that in the event that he does return, that he would find us as being faithful stewards to the work of his kingdom, to the house that, that he established for us in the community as the church? Would we, would we find ourselves faithful to those things that Jesus considers important? Or would we sit here today and, and discover ourselves guilty of, of abusing the kingdom of God, of abusing the church by, by wasting it or not using it or not being a part of it to serve Jesus through it? Would we find ourselves abusing the very presence, I wanted to say, but the presence of God, but but the gifts of God that he has given to us, the talents of God, the, 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 the blessings financially of God, where we could be uplifting the kingdom, but we're just building our own kingdom. And if that's true, then we have to receive what he says here. 
that in 46, the master of that servant will come on a day that he doesn't expect and an hour that he doesn't know and will cut him in pieces. I mean, if you think about the wrath of the master, that would be of such a, a vehemence that, that this concept of being cut into pieces and put with the unfaithful, He's not talking about the lost. This None of this is dealing with loss of salvation or dealing with lost people at all. This, this is dealing with the master. And of course, if you're lost, that Jesus is not your master. God is not your master. The, the prince of the power of the air and old Satan is your master. And so understand that, that in, in Jesus' teaching, no man can serve two masters. He's either going to love one and hate the other or cling to one and despise the other, but he cannot serve two masters. And so the master that Jesus is teaching from 34 down to 48 here, 35 to 48, is God is his Father and is him, Jesus, as our Lord. And so this isn't dealing with lost people. But you do find within the kingdom of God those who are faithful to the word of God, faithful to the service of the Lord in in serving in his church and serving the community through his church, serving in missions, serving in many ways that Jesus has established according to the word of God. And they're faithful to that. But you also find the unfaithful those who, though they have received salvation, have turned back from serving God to go back into into their own kingdom, go back into their own fulfillment, their own will, instead of the will of God that saved them. And so, dealing with this unfaithful group who will be outside the gate of New Jerusalem. I say it before, you can find it again, Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 15 shows us those who are outside the gate as this unfaithful group that is literally dashed or cut in pieces that that would not be permitted into the, the very gates of New Jerusalem, that would not be permitted into the presence of Jesus who dwells in the midst of that city whose throne has the river of the water of life and the tree of life on either side, the very beauty of the light of the world that illuminates the heavens and illuminates the earth as Jesus is in the center of this palace. That Jesus would say, in my Father's house there are many mansions. It is according to the faithful that there is a place prepared for them. The unfaithful do not have a place in that kingdom, a place in that in that city and is revealed here and so you can discover your faithfulness or unfaithfulness right now before Jesus and there is no more encouraging a truth in this Friday than to understand that if I would be willing to acknowledge where I am unfaithful to my Lord, that I in this moment have the opportunity to be able to repent of my unfaithfulness and to be able to return to my Lord who has saved me and become once more faithful to his work to his church, to his kingdom and its service. And I can now rededicate everything that I am, that I have, that I desire back unto the Lord and return to his service. It's not too late. 
But the reality is, if I consider myself just fine because I'm saved and I can continue the life of rebellion to his kingdom, rebellion to his church, and rebellion to my faithfulness to him by living out my own life the way I want to live it, doing the things I want to do, having the things I want to have without regard to the gospel being shared with anyone around me for the cause of God's kingdom, then I must accept that I may be this person who walks for the through the fire of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 from verse number 9 down to verse number 16 and that all my possessions be burned up that I have nothing but wood hay and stubble and that I face the the dashing in pieces when we say cut in pieces and put him with the unfaithful cut in pieces is is literally we we talk about that we say if you if you don't shut your mouth i'm going to cut you up in pieces or i'm going to i'm going to dash you or i'm going to smash you you know we say all of these different things to cause a person to get the idea of how serious we are and our frustration and our anger with them in that moment and and jesus is no different he's saying i'm going to cut you into pieces but if you think about it Jesus' word, as revealed in Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 12, is a two-edged sword able to divide in half the soul from the spirit and the bone from the marrow. So his word will cut you in pieces under the discovery of all of the wickedness of your life that, that has been in rebellion to the kingdom that he saved you to serve. And, and, and he will cut you into pieces by his word, and you will be set with the unfaithful but understand also in verse number 47 that that servant who knew, who understands, who has been taught, who has been explained, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready, nor act according to his will, is going to receive a, a severe beating. And, and rightfully so. You think about as as children, you know, when you were told to do something and, and you you knew how to do it. You go clean your room. But there have been plenty of times in the in the past where mom would take you into your room and say, well, this is how you clean your room. You're supposed to do this. And you put this here and you put that there and they clean it up and you're there. You've seen it. You've heard it. And then they say, go clean your room. And you say, okay, but then you don't do what you were told to do. And, and they come in and they see that the room is is as equal a wreck or maybe you made it worse while you were in there because you decided that that what they said wasn't important but that you would go ahead and just start playing anyway and and you end up getting spanked for that you end up going through a discipline because you did not do what you were told is it should we expect it to be any different of our father in heaven when when he has given us his word to instruct us as to how to live for him he has instructed us how to serve him, how to share the gospel through the life and work of Jesus in the in the four gospels, but the life and work of the church throughout the book of Acts, the letters that are specifically given by Paul. I mean, we are a people as Christians without excuse to reach the world for Jesus, but in the fact that the world up to this point has not been impacted greatly or has not been reached, it is to reveal that we have been wayward in our Father's requirement. We, we've been wayward of our Father's desire, especially in the United States where we're so comfortable 
that we're afraid of losing our comfort for the, for for sharing the faith and so we would rather be a people facing the judgment of God when we reach heaven uh, and, and not share our faith than we would be to lose our comfort here on earth but don't we realize that our comfort is minimal compared to heaven's eternity and if we're not faithful to our father you think you're uncomfortable now. Imagine in eternity being in a place prepared, sinless and perfect, but not being able to be able to, to go in and see Jesus. Who saved you? Being in that outer darkness, separated from that new Jerusalem, apart from the gates that you cannot enter because of being unfaithful. What a beating. Not all beatings are physical, are they? I believe that the beatings of the, of the mind, the beatings of words, are worse than any physical punches that you could possibly take. And to hear those words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, to, to feel that presence of God not allowing you to go through those gates, to dishonor the very blood of the covenant that was shed for you, and to live a life inconsistent with God's expectations for you, only to have to face a judgment for that instead of repenting and getting right with God today is an eternity of having to deal with that which you will not be able to sorrow over. You will not have any tears. You won't be able to cry because you will understand His justice. You will understand why, and and, and you will have to accept it. Thus in 48, he says, the one who did not know and did, did what deserved a beating gets a light beating because the one who didn't know what they were supposed to do but still didn't do it still gets the justice of having not done what they should have been doing. You see, we can't use ignorance as an excuse for the law in other words, I didn't know, so I shouldn't get a beating. We can't use ignorance as an excuse because the the information is there. The information has been there. You chose not to know, therefore you get the beating, but it's going to be less severe than the ones who spent the time to know and chose not to do it anyways. In fact, and I've alluded to this before, but I will... I will actually take us there, and, and we will read this now as concerning the, the calling and election of Jesus in 2 Peter chapter number 1. And we will see that, that you must be careful as concerning your, your walk with Christ. Let's see if, if I was right in this point. Um, Nope, I I bet you I got the wrong chapter. I think let's check out First Peter chapter number one. First Peter chapter number one. Let's see. Called to be holy. Yes, this is it. This is it. So it comes down from verse number seventeen, and in First Peter chapter number one and verse seventeen, and I believe I said yesterday that it was Second Peter one, but I was wrong. It, it's First Peter one, seventeen, beginning. He says, "If you call on him as your father, if you call on him who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, 
Did you catch that? What we're talking about is Jesus saying about our our preparation, about our being ready for the coming of Christ, is that it's our actions, it's our work in the kingdom of God that is going to be considered as our faithfulness before the Lord. Saying that we are believers but not acting on our belief is proving our unbelief our unfaithfulness. If we're going to make the claim that we're Christians, then we need to be doing those things consistent with our claim. We need to be taking actions that are consistent with the claim of being Christian. If we say that we're Christians, but our life is inconsistent with what we said as being a Christian, then the truth is is that we're not. We're unfaithful to our claim, and thus unfaithful to Christ himself. And so, it's very important to be what you say you are. If you're going to claim that you're a Christian, then your activities, your words, your lifestyle, your 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 uh, everything needs to be what you claim it is. And the scripture says that if you call on him as father who judges impor- impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from this from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like of that of a lamb without blemish or spot for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who has raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So it's very important for us to understand that, that we are called to this calling, and and it is necessary for us to be faithful to it and, and to understand that Jesus is going to come and, and that we are to be a people wholly unprepared for his arrival. So we must make ourselves ready. We must be a people that, that are prepared for his coming to be able to rejoice in his coming or else we will be we will be caught unaware. And again, what I am looking for is is this particular place in Second Peter. It's chapter number two. And in chapter number two, we're dealing with this situation of, of angels and the comparison of angels with people who have rejected God's kingdom after being born again. It's very important that we understand that we'd be after the position of being born again. But the scripture goes from 2 Peter 2, 11, and it says, Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord, but these, like irrational animals, talking about the people who have rejected God's word, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to to revel in the daytime, their blots and blemishes, revealing in their deception or reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. 
They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These, the people he's talking about, are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. From, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from the, the those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the wor world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, now that would be people who are saved. They've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, or people who have recognized the error of their life, have recognized the sin in their life, have confessed it to Jesus, have been delivered from that unto eternal life in Jesus. You see after that comma, verse number 20, they are again entangled in them and overcome those defilements of the world, get entangled back in those things and become overcome by them which, by the way, Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 1 would say, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in that yoke of bondage. This is what he's referring to here. The last state has become worse for them than the first, for it had been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And then it goes on to talk about the proverb that a dog returns to its own vomit and a, a pig, after washing, returns to the wallow in the mire. And so we find that this stands true in Jesus' warning in Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 46 through 48 because he says the master of the house is coming in a time they don't expect, in a time that they did not know, and is going to cut in pieces the person that is unfaithful and the one who knew what the master's will was but didn't do it is going to receive a severe beating. And even the one who chooses to be ignorant of what the master wants him to do and really doesn't know is still going to get a beating because everyone who receives Jesus Christ has an expectation that is given by the Father over their lives. See, everyone to whom much was given... Could we say that our salvation was, was much that would be given? After all, he took the penalty of our transgressions. He, he, he literally cleansed us. He washed our souls with his blood to cleanse us from every stain. I would say that the gift of God is, is something that was much that was given. And he said, to whom much was given of him or her understanding of him will be required. Much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much. Now, 
after salvation has been given to us, there is a kingdom that Jesus established that has been entrusted to us, and, and, and that kingdom will thrive through the ministry that happens through every single one of us, or that kingdom will suffer for the lack of ministry that comes through every single one of us, and that kingdom's growth or diminishing is directly related and resorted from the work that each believer that comes to Jesus is willing to put into it. And so if we're a people who with our mouths do honor Jesus as being our Lord, but with our activities and lives, we do not do the things which we claim, then the kingdom of God will suffer and diminish because we have not been active flames in the, in the world bringing the knowledge of salvation to others, and that kingdom will diminish. But if we would repent of our, our lack of activity for the Lord, and we will once more engage in the church, engage in the kingdom, engage in God's work, and engage, or at least if we're too old to be able to do it ourselves, that we will support those who are young enough to be able to get out there and do it on our behalf, then praise God, we'll repent, we'll turn this nation around. We could turn this world around for the length of time that it has left so that our grandchildren and our, our great-grandchildren or our children, depending on your age, that, that they will have a hope of a future. But if we do not, we must accept 2 Peter 2.20. We must accept 1 Peter 1.17 and following. We must accept Luke chapter 12 and realize that if we will not be faithful to our Lord's kingdom because we're too busy building our own, then we, we must accept the judgment that he has already established as revealed here upon us. And he told us in verse 35, now going to our beginning, stay dressed for action, just like it was at the Passover. If you recall that, that God through Moses would speak to the people of, of Israel and say, take a lamb to yourselves and go into your homes, slaughter that lamb, take its blood, put it on the doorpost and the mantle, put your shoes on, put your coat on, hold your staff in your hand, and don't you dare sit down because we're getting ready at any given time. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it is going to happen. And when death does come for the firstborn of Egypt, they're going to kick us out. we got to be ready to go. He said, stay dressed, Jesus did here in 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Praise God, because we got to be ready for when our master comes. And be like, be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that when that master comes home, he doesn't even necessarily have to knock on the door, but even if he knocks once, that that door is already being opened for him because you were watching, you were looking, you were with expectant, hope having that master come home your 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 eye is fixed on the road ahead and jesus said blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes now 
consider this in contrast to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you recall, uh, verse number 37 and 38, just think about the Garden of Gethsemane, because remember, they, they sang that song after the Passover feast was done, the Seder meal. They went out into the garden, and how many times did Jesus come back to the disciples only to find them sleeping? How many times did that happen? Let's take a look at what Jesus has to say here. In verse number 37, it said, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Well, can you imagine the very thing that happened at the Seder meal of Jesus, where they would all be in that, that upper room, and Jesus would put the, the apron on and get down and wash their feet as they're reclined at the table when they are the servants and he is the master. But Jesus is already telling them that this is the case. Because of their faithfulness to the kingdom, the, the master is willing to serve the servants. But understand that the servants never assume the role as being the master simply because the master chose to care for his servants. The role didn't reverse. And, and a servant can never be above that master, Jesus taught, but the servant should be like the master. So if Jesus, as the master, is going to get down and wash his servants' feet, shouldn't the servants be washing each other's feet, so to speak? If the master is going to provide a feast for his servants, shouldn't the servants take care of each other in order for them all to have a feast together? Shouldn't the, the servants work together as one one family, as one body, as Jesus worked together with his servants? There's so many parallels, and Jesus told them that if the master comes in verse 38 in the second watch or in the third watch and finds them awake. Blessed are those servants. But what happens if he comes in the second watch or the third watch and doesn't find them awake? What happens at that point? Well, you know what happens. Jesus came after he was in an intensity of prayer. The first time he comes back, he finds them sleeping and he says, What's wrong with you people? Wake up. Can't you pray for even an hour? Can't you can't you focus in on the Lord with me? I'm in this time of intense suffering, and, and you're sleeping. So they got chastised the first time. They, they took a verbal beating, as it was, and it was a pretty severe beating that they got in that chastisement. And so Jesus went back, and he went a second time to pray, and he told them, you better stay awake. You better stand the watch. And, and, and he told them, but then he comes back that second time, and, and they're sleeping again. And Jesus nailed him again. He said, get up. What's wrong with you people? I can't believe this. And he, and he goes off, and he goes back into prayer. And all he's hoping for is some, some prayer support from his people that maybe he's he knows that it's his time to be arrested, and he wants his people to be aware awake so that they can see the, the enemy approaching so that they could either interrupt him and warn him or that they could be a people that could run away, uh, whatever it would be, but they're just not being diligent. They're not seeing the danger approaching or they're not watching for their Lord as he had commanded them. And the third time it says that he just left them alone. He didn't even bother waking them up again. He just let them sleep because they were just not going to be awake. 
And he said, blessed are those that will be awake, those servants that, that will find be there for their master. He said, but know this. If the master of the house understood what hour the thief was coming, or would have, he would not have left his house to be broken into. So you, Christians, please hear this. Please hear verse 40. You must be ready. Because you have no idea when Jesus is coming. And you can be ready. You can get your heart right, right now. You can repent of everything that you know you have not done. You can, you can repent of everything you've done that you shouldn't have been doing. You can return to the church. You can return to the service of the Lord. You can return to a blessing of His kingdom. You can, you can return to faithfulness. You can return. You need to return. And Peter, he says, are you telling this parable to us? Or are you talking to everybody? And Jesus is saying, if you have to ask the question, son, then you already know the answer. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to anyone that would claim to be a child of God, a Christian. He's talking to us all. He said, who is that faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give him portion of, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Listen to the point. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. In other words, you're sitting in the pew, you're sitting at home, you're, you're praying and asking God, what do you want me to do in your kingdom? How do you want me to serve? And then you go to church, maybe. If you go to church, you ought to be in church. And, 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 and somebody asks you, well, what does the Lord have for you to do? You say, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from the Lord. That's not what you hear from verses 40, 40 down uh, to 46. You don't hear that. You hear a person who finds the needs of the church and begins to act on those needs without being told is the person that God is going to see in their faithfulness and then add unto them because they are faithful to his service. You, in order to understand what God will have you to do, you first must get into doing the things that are evident in the church then God will reveal to you that which is above and beyond. If you need a teller, praise God. You say, you know what, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I'm trusting you to give me wisdom and become a teller. If they need a, a, a Sunday school teacher, come to the pastor and say, look, I know we need teachers. I'm willing to teach, but I don't know how. Can you teach me so that I can teach a class? And, and the pastor will teach you. They will help you. I'll teach you. Praise God. It's what we do here at the Preacher's Quarter anyways. Uh, if you've been with me this whole year coming up, then you ought to be ready to be able to go and teach a class. Just saying. This is the way in which I personally prepare to, to teach anything is by this way of studying God's Word. So you've, you've been doing this for a year. And, and when Jesus sees that you're being faithful, that you're stepping out of your comfort zone and, and working in his kingdom, then he will continue to feed you, continue to lead you, and continue to bless you in the work you're doing, and then increase that work. But if that servant says, nah, Jesus hadn't come back. Nah, I, I don't know how to do anything, so there's no reason for me to actually put my hand to the plow. There's, you know, the field won't get planted if I don't put my hand to the plow, but I don't know how to plow, so I'm just not going to plant the field and complain when I don't get fed. 
What do you think that the master's going to do? What do you what do you what do you expect God to do for you or with you if you're not willing to do anything? Oh, you can use your mouth and claim to be a Christian all day long, but if you've never done anything consistent with what it truly means to be a Christian, what what do you think God's going to do when you meet him? Because you you haven't done anything consistent with belonging to him. So as to say that I live a life inconsistent with Christ for the entirety of it, and then when I get to heaven, he's just supposed to accept that I did, that I chose not to do anything, receive me anyway, and just be happy because I exist? No, that's not how it works. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the angels of heaven. I'll deny you before my Father, it says over in, in Matthew. It says, if, if, if you do not do the works of him that, that sent me, then you're unfaithful, and the unfaithful are cut in pieces. The unfaithful are beaten. The unfaithful are separated from the presence of Jesus. Only the faithful go through the gate. Are you faithful? Not faithful according to how you feel or what you think, but are you faithful according to God's standard? And if not, just like David said, if there be any wicked way that has kept you from your faithfulness to Jesus, get it right today. Don't delay. Don't waste another moment. Get your heart straight. Get your life right and come back to the house of God to serve Jesus in his kingdom. Father, we thank you for this day, for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge. This challenge to those that didn't want to hear it is probably some of the most hateful news they've gotten all week. But for those who truly desire you and want to be right with you, there could be nothing more encouraging than this message this day because it gives us understanding of how to get right with you and how to get back on track. And Lord, we just ask that blessing upon us through the Holy Spirit that we will be understanding the sense of what is given, that we may be truly the children of thy kingdom and the servants of our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Keep you guys. Cause his face to shine upon you and have a great weekend. I won't see you tomorrow. Shabbat. Going to celebrate the Shabbat and the rest of the Lord. But Sunday, 11 a.m., you don't want to miss it. Tune in to Morgan's church page, and I'll catch you Monday to finish off Luke chapter 12. So take care, guys.